Hey, good morning. How you doing? How are you? Those of you online around the world, we welcome you. We're so glad to worship with you today. For those of you that were here last week, the weather could not have been better last week, could it? Couldn't have been a better day. So, so glad it's not uh, today that we're outside right now, aren't you? Woo, it'd be about seven of you that would be there. What a great day. This is exciting because this morning and tonight, all this coordinates together. There are five Sundays in a row now where Sunday mornings and Sunday night material all goes together. Every Sunday morning, the children and the student ministry, it's all coordinated together. And again, if you've got kids or grandkids, catch what's going on with middle schoolers, catch what's going on with the kids' resources. It's all coordinated together. And so for five Sundays in the morning and night, we're doing um, Anxiety Today, and the women have a program tonight at 5 p.m., and it's also on anxiety. So Anxiety Tonight, Anxiety This Morning, it makes me anxious. No, just kidding. But we're together, and there's lots of material. It's not like we're going to steal their thunder this morning from tonight. It's a completely different program tonight. So tune in, YouTube, 5 o'clock this evening. So here we go. Say Anxiety. All right, here we go. Why don't you share with us, Kurt? Why don't we just get started and ask you, what brings or gives you anxiety? What makes me anxious? Yeah. Okay, yeah. thanks, honey. Um, <laughs> Put you on the spot there. You know, we, we talked about this last week, and we're going to talk about Simon Peter today. And we're going to use Simon Peter and I really relate to Simon Peter, don't I, in a lot of I, I call ways. you that. Often. You do. You call me Simon Peter at home. And it's not really an endearing term at <laughs> home. But anyway, I, I relate to it because as a younger man, he was very anxious about a lot of things. But when you read him in First Peter and the book of Second Peter as an older man, you realize that he doesn't really worry about very much. And so when you ask me what makes me anxious, I would say that very little today Mm. actually makes me anxious. However, when I was a younger man, I was incredibly anxious about, are we going to have enough money for the kids to go to college? Are we going to have enough money for weddings? I think as a younger man, I really was anxious about growing a healthy church in Memphis, Tennessee, and how do we build a church? And But honestly, folks, not much makes me anxious today because we have experienced the goodness and the power of God. Every time I get anxious about something, God like pushes me out of the way and says, Kurt, do I have to remind you for the 13th time I'm in control? And so honestly, today I care, I care deeply, but we're really not anxious about, about the big things. However, the small things still things. get me, and I yeah. don't know why, but yes, the small <laughs> things get me. So it's been about a month ago, we were on our boat, and Ethan and Paz had just gotten married, and we're back from their honeymoon, and so we thought, why don't the four of us just go out and spend the afternoon, Sunday afternoon, and kind of debrief, and just how, what went well at the wedding, what did you guys like, and what we saw, and we were just excited to spend that time with them, <laughs> and so we, we took dinner, took chairs, we pulled up to the back of an island. We were so excited. I love that, that quality time, just one-on-one with our kids. And so we get there. I don't think we had been there maybe 
45 minutes, I don't know, 50 minutes, and, and Ethan notices this very large pontoon boat out in the water, and they're struggling. They have, it's loaded with kids, lots of kids, and they're like four adults, and they're struggling because they're, they're, they're stuck. They're on a sandbar that the tide is going out. And so he calls you over, and you guys are pushing, trying to get this, this big boat to move. And finally, and you called us over. Paz and I came over, so all the eight adults are pushing on this big, very large pontoon boat. And we eventually moved it. Well, yeah, they had, they had so, like four giant coolers on there. Yeah. The first thing I did was move the weight, the coolers off of it. But anyway, keep going. Okay, so keep going. So he looks over, and he says, well, I better go check our boat. Because remember, it's the small things, right? So he goes over and he looks at this and he, said, he starts calling us out there. And he said, we're running out of time. We're running out of water. We got to move this thing. It's going to get stuck soon. So you and Ethan try to push it. Not, not, a lot of, not a lot of inches, no. So then Paz and I go out and we are trying to push this big boat. How much does it weigh? Five? Six, eight, oh, it's about 8,000 pounds. So we're trying. Yeah. Yeah, we are, heavy. they're counting down on your mark, you know, get that go. And we would push and maybe four inches, six inches. We would go to the right, go to the left. He fell in a hole and he was up to here in water. And I'm trying She's not. laughing. I'm mad now because it's not funny. Water's going out. I know we're in trouble. And she's there laughing. Quit laughing. Let's push. <laughs> time and water, right? We're, we're losing. And so we keep pushing. We give up. We just call Sito. We get everything back in the boat. Sito arrives maybe within 15 minutes and pulls us out. And I said, okay, we got we to gotta wait. I wanted to, to see the sunset. I mean, that was the big deal. And you said, no, we're leaving. This is it. So Once creating you call a little Cito, bit of anxiety it's over. <laughs> it, it's done. You failed as a captain when you have to call Sito. We're done. <laughs> So we did get a few minutes to watch the sunset, but we, we left. <laughs> but it's those things in life. Now, that's very minor. I know that you all and we have faced many things in life that have caused extreme anxiety to rise within us. You know, maybe even last night you were up looking at your phone, trying to get the location of your teenager. Where is he? Where is she? They should be home now. And it's unavailable. Stress, right? Maybe you've had... Um, a really bad conversation um, with your spouse, and it, it's just left you with anxiety. Maybe you're contemplating a move, a transfer with your job. Maybe you need a better job. Whatever it is, these factors, if it's health, I know some of you are suffering with some health concerns, which makes our hearts really sad. I understand that, and we, we grieve um, that with you. These things cause anxiety, but there's hope. We're not going to stay there. We're going we're gonna to recognize that there's hope. Yeah, we, we want to talk about some of the causes of anxiety and signals and s- symptoms of anxiety. But let's be honest. This is like an, a, a pandemic. I mean, this is 40 million Americans have been diagnosed with an, an anxiety disorder. 40 million Americans. How many people have anxiety that have not been diagnosed? Yeah. And so what we want to do is, is acknowledge it, recognize it, but not live in it. Mm-hmm. We don't want to stay in it. So what, does, what are some of those signs? So there, there are some signs. Let's take, let's take a look at it, see if you can identify with one or more. Maybe none. I hope none, but maybe some. The first one, excessive worrying. How many of you worry? You worry, you worry. You worry about what's going to happen. Come on, raise your hands. Happen. You had communion. Come worry, on, fess up. Worry. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That's one of them. Number two, 
difficulty sleeping and restlessness. Did you sleep through the night? Look at this lady over here. She's, she's confessing. If you're, if you're at home, you can raise your hand right up. Do you sleep well at night or do you wake up and you're, you're worried? There's a heaviness there. Number three, fatigue. How many of you live in a constant state of just, you're just tired, you're exhausted? That's a sign. Number four, um, concentration issues. You have a hard time staying in the conversation, like this guy right here, yeah? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're thinking about other things. It's, uh, something's on your mind, cause and a little anxiety. You can't even stay in the moment. Okay, the next one, we have, a, uh, we have easily angered. Any of you struggle with just flying off the handle, just getting mad so easily? Don't, don't admit it. Just, just <laughs> act spiritual right that's now. Going, one yeah, of the, terrible. That's one of the signs. It's terrible. Okay, number six. <laughs> number six, increased heart rate and palpitations. I've experienced it. Any of you experienced heart palpitations? It's, it's anxiety. It's stress, right? And number seven, feelings of impending doom. Mm. Do you ever feel like there's just this heaviness over you and there's just this cloud that's causing you to feel anxious and it's stilling the peace in your heart? Well, Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's a Christian neuroscientist and she says that these signs are not something that you need to ignore. They are signals that you need to stop and address. It's telling you there's something that's not right in your life. And you need to, to look at it um, ASAP. It's kind of like, it's not like a yeah. yellow flashing light. It's a red flashing light saying, yeah. take a look at these signals, these signs. So Simon Peter, the reason I think I like him so much in this today mm-hmm. is that he used these anxiety circumstances as opportunities for growth. So you're going to get better or bitter. You're going to get anxious or peaceful. You're, you're going to go one of two, two directions. And what we see Simon Peter doing is he took the circumstances of his life and he actually realized that the promises of God were true and the power of God's spirit were true. So this is all of our, those of you around the world, those of you in-house, this is all of our opportunity to recognize, is this just going to be our new normal? Well, you weren't created that way. This wasn't the design of your heavenly father to be anxious. He's got promises for you. He has power in store for you. And that's what we want to talk about today. But first of all, let's identify some sources. This is what's going to amp you up. We'll yeah. start with that. So when we looked at Peter, we noticed that there were, throughout different interactions with Jesus, opportunities for we, us to look and say, okay, is, is there a point here where we deny which causes anxiety? So let's look at the first source. Um, number one, anxiety results when we, when we deny he's calling us to follow him. And I want us to read Matthew. Let's go to Matthew 4, 18 through 20. If you'll look at the screen there. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. And I love that, at once they left their nets and followed him. But I think what we realized is that when you decide not to follow him at once, and you choose to stay over here worrying about, okay, I want to know what my plan is in life. I want to know my purpose. I want to know what you have for me, God. But I don't necessarily want to 
to abide by that invitation. I'm going to deny that invitation to follow you. What does that follow you mean? I, I want this over here. I want to know your plans. But the time that I have to invest to follow you, that's, that's a different story. It reminds me of our golden retriever. She will literally follow me, follow, just be right there everywhere I go in the house. Doesn't matter what room it is. She's right there with me, following me, watching me. She knows my emotions. She knows the conversations that we have. She'll, if she senses there any, there's any disagreement, she's right there. With Jesus, he's asking you to follow him to see how he sees, to hear what he, what he hears, because he hears what the Father is speaking to him, and then he says that's what he does in life. What about his heart? What breaks his heart? What brings him joy, peace? What about a heart of generosity? What does it look like, Jesus? You're following him every step of the way, and then he will make you into the fisher of men, or the person that God has called you to be. That's where we get hung up. But you know, Peter didn't do this wrong. He, this was an area that he actually, he obeyed. It says he immediately followed Jesus. But what happens is when we choose to not follow him, it creates this anxiety within us. Yeah, we build it ourselves. Mm -hmm. Here's a second source of anxiety. The second one is anxiety results when we deny who Jesus says we are. Mm -hmm. So when you start labeling yourself something that Jesus doesn't label you, you're going to have anxiety. Well, I'm just anxious. Well, I'm just nervous. Well, I've just got a tough life. Well, I just have some hardships. Those are your circumstances. Peter worked through and blew through his circumstances by the power of God. John chapter 1 says the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, see, here's his identity. Hmm. Jesus looked at him and he didn't say, you're the pebble. Mm -hmm. He says, you are P Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated as Peter, which means rock. Mm -hmm. I love this. Jesus is calling Peter a rock when Peter is truly a pebble. You follow that? Yeah. It's so cool to think about your identity. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how you've labeled yourself but I know how God has labeled you. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, this is your divine identity. Listen to that rain. Yeah, hear that. That's sweet. Hey, we're going to be here a while. Three hours from now, we'll be good. <laughs> um, just sit back and relax. We got, relax. that made everybody anxious, didn't it? All right. Here's your identity. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. Folks, you're a priest. That's who you are. You're a priest. No, I'm a, no, 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 no. You're a priest. God's special possession that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness and into his incredible, marvelous light. Here's another source of anxiety. Anxiety results when we deny his authority. Well, how do we do that? Well, listen to Matthew 16. You want to read those for me? Sure. 21 through 23. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. 
This is a sharp rebuke because he was denying the authority of Jesus. Now, do you struggle with Jesus's authority? That's a question. This means yes, this means no. Do you struggle with Jesus's authority? Morality, money, with his lordship. You see, the more we submit to his authority, the less anxious we're going to be. And the more we disobey, let me just bottom line this. Disobedience creates anxiety. Uh, You can't mask it. You can't hide it. You can't sweep it underneath the carpet. Disobedience actually creates um, anxiety. Mm -hmm. You talk a lot about authority to the kids. I did. Because I think this is such an issue that we have to, as parents, teach our children. Because as we look at Peter's life, until he stepped up, he would never be able and stepped under the authority of Jesus. He would never become the man of God that he yeah. wanted to be, the rock that you're talking about. So with children, I remember trying to explain to our kids the authority talk. You know, we'd, we'd say, okay, God is our authority. Your dad and I, he's our authority. If we don't do what he says in regard to raising our children and, and, and building our family, then we're going to be accountable to him. So it's just like an umbrella. You probably all needed an umbrella this morning. What does it do? It protects you from the elements. It could be rain, wind, snow, sleet, sunshine, whatever it is. It will protect you. So I got the dry erase board out, and I drew this huge umbrella. And I I said to them, Erica, Ethan, and Emily, if you will stay under this umbrella of authority with your, your dad and I, it will protect you from the elements things that you were never designed to have to deal with at your age. The moment you step out, you're exposed to things that, that, that harm you, and it, and it actually brings the anxiety. But this is an illustration that's not just for children. It's for us. The moment we choose to step out from underneath that umbrella of God's protection, his authority, it creates a lot of anxiety in our lives. It does, and we see that. Here's a fourth source of anxiety. Anxiety results when we deny who Jesus is. Now, everybody knows the story about Peter and how Peter denied Christ three times. Mm -hmm. Listen to what happened in Matthew 26, verse 75. He says this. Um, He went out and he wept bitterly, didn't he? Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. What does weeping bitterly mean? cause in you because you know you've messed up. It causes anxiety. And so when we deny who Jesus is, it just creates incredible anxiety. So now we're going to turn the corner. Here's where we're coming to some solutions. You still with me? We got plenty of time, okay? It's so important that we listen to our anxiety. We're asking you to get in tune with your anxiety. Listen instead of ignoring it. Because if we ignore it, what will happen is we will actually be putting this back into our subconscious. Now, the mind is very tricky. God created the mind, and so when our anxiety can go to the conscious mind, you can now deal with it. And the conscious mind, anxiety actually gets weaker and weaker and weaker. It's when anxiety gets in the subconscious and the unconscious mind that you're in trouble. It's a virus. And the virus now comes into your brain, and all of a sudden, you just, you just react. It's like, 
How come I don't have enough willpower to manage this? And you just react, you respond. It's because it's gotten lodged into your unconscious. And so we're going to ask you to pay really careful attention now to some steps to weaken your anxiety and to strengthen your resolve in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So write these down if you can on your phone or whatever. Number one is listen. Listen to your body. You need to stop and listen. Let's go back and reflect at those seven um, signs. Excessive worrying. Number two, difficulty sleeping and restlessness. Fatigue, concentration issues, easily angered, increased heart rate and palpitations, feelings of impending doom. Listen. If you have one or seven of those, you need to listen to your body. All right, number two. This is important. These are steps that you have to do. We're not naive enough to think you're going to walk out of here and go, oh, I came in anxious. I got it. I'm peaceful the rest of my life. This is something you're going to have to work at. So this is homework. Those of you around the world, you're going to go home right now, write it down. Those of you in the in house, I want you to think about this all week long. Number two is analyze, reflect. You see, this is a series of why questions. Why does this make me nervous? Why am I amped up over this topic? Why is this? It's mental autopsy. And so basically, you are finding the root cause or getting to the root. What's the root cause of my anxiety? And then we're acknowledging the source of our anxiety. And again, when you acknowledge it, it gets weaker and it gets smaller. I don't know if you want to live to be 100 or not, okay? Some of you have told me you don't want to live that long. But if you want to live that long... Here's what the biggest study was. Dr. Thomas Paris of Boston University actually has done the world's largest study in in, in history on people who've lived to be 100. And the people who lived to be 100 all had one trait in common. They had many traits, but they all kept one trait in common. And you're you're whispering to somebody around you because you already figured this out. What is it? They didn't worry. The people who all lived to be 100 were not anxious. And this observation is consistent with Dr. Alex Lloyd and many other physicians who say that 90%, up to 90% of all illnesses and diseases are a result of fear and anxiety. We cause some of our own illnesses and some of our own diseases. Okay, let's look at the next step. Write it down. Number three, write it down. This is something that has been so helpful for me. I, when I have an issue that's causing me or creating anxiety within me, I I just take out my journal, write it down. There's something that happens when you write it down. It unblocks things. It gives you a fresh new perspective. And I align it with what God's word says. And it it really does a work in your mind. Listen to what first Peter says. Let's look at that verse. And this is Peter who has learned so much about casting anxiety It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I love another translation. It says, cast the whole of your anxiety, all of your anxiety, not a little bit of it. Cast the whole of your anxiety on him. So you just imagine just throwing it down at his feet and saying, have it, have it. I give it to you. And there's something that happens when we write it down and cast it at his feet. And Kurt, really, anxiety, what it boils down to, it's based on fear. What are you fearing? Because fear 
is false evidence about reality. False evidence about reality. Usually what you're fearing never even comes into being. It's just something that's in your mind. So write it down. What's the next step? That's really good. F-E-A-R, false evidence about reality. reality. That's good. You should preach sometime. Number four. (laughs) Number four is to recognize the patterns. Recognize the triggers. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use the uh, 1 Peter 5.8 verse a little differently than maybe it's been used before. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be alert and sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I think the enemy messes with your brain. I don't know that the enemy's messing with you in a parking lot and so cuts you off and somebody else, you know, gets your... I think he's messing with your brain. He's the accuser. And he's whispering to you all the time. And so recognize the patterns that get you amped up. When do you fly off the handle? When do you react inappropriately? What makes you anxious? And then number five is take action. This is my favorite one. Take action. Be deliberate. Don't get stuck, but but move forward. And listen to these verses from Peter. He's now an older man. He's not the young man, you know, pulling out the sword, cutting off Malchus' servant's ear in the garden. He's not, you know, telling Jesus, oh, you're not going to do it. He's now an old man, and he writes these books of 1st and 2nd Peter, and he says this. In 1st Peter 1, he says, therefore, gird, uh, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to you. As obedient children, see, he's learned obedience. He didn't deny anymore. He wasn't resisting. He wasn't rebelling. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Just as he who has called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. You want to have more peace, less anxiety? You live in holiness. It's a different remedy, isn't it? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. These are verses to commit to memory. It says, his divine power. Stop right there. His divine power. If somebody tells me that their anxiety levels are just their new normal one more time, I'm going to puke. You're going to get anxious. I'm going to get anxious. Yeah, calm down. That's right. That's a trigger for me, okay? Because we're denying the power of God. We're saying what God can't do. This is just the way it is. This is who I am. I'm going to be this way for the rest of my life. No. You're denying the power of God. Thank you. It's true. His divine power has given you everything you need to live what? A godly life through our knowledge of him. That's what Peter figured out. Over the years, he worried less and less and less. And then 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. So what does that say? Turn that around. When you speak lies or you speak slander, you're actually increasing the palpitations and anxiety inside of your life. You're creating anxiety. You're building your own anxiety with your tongue. And then he says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Three incredibly great passages by an older man who was once anxious and goes, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I'm going to see the power of God. I'm going to trust the spirit of God. And I'm going to grow to be the man of God that he's called me to be. But how did he do it? 
I mean, we see this big, rough fisherman. How did he become this man that was completely confident, articulate, and impassioned and fearless? How does it happen? I mean, is there hope for us? I think there is. I think we need to add another step. So step number six is what we find when Peter was, after the day of Pentecost, when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit in fire, something happened in his life. He was not the same person. And so we see this man who had such power and confidence as he spoke about the things of God that 3,000 people were convicted and convinced to change their way of life. And what he said in Acts chapter two is one word, repent. He said, repent, change your mind. And so if Peter was standing right here and he was looking out at all of you and we were down there, Kurt, and he's speaking to us and he's saying, repent, change your mind about the way you think with anxiety, with the topic of anxiety. Change your mind. What would that look like for you? Because see, that's what it's all about. He's asking us to change our mind. So, yeah. so, so good because Peter had found peace. And one of the things that we tend to think about is that Peter must have lived in a time of history when things were peaceful. Mm-hmm. Peter lived under a Roman emperor named Nero. Mm-hmm. Nero killed a lot of Christians. Christianity was illegal. Rome burned down. Nero needed an scapegoat. He takes the Christians. He blamed the Christians for the fire in Rome. And they take Christians and they pour tar and pitch over Christians, light Christians up, put them as light poles along the roads. Peter lived in a very difficult time. Famines, drought, persecution. It wasn't his circumstances. It's not your circumstances. What's available to you is power beyond your circumstances. And so in 1996, there was an art contest. And the art contest was just called Peace. And all of the participants were to put in their projects pictures that would hopefully win and would represent peace. And so here's one of those. One of those is this, this was actually submitted. It's beautiful. It's peaceful. It looks gorgeous. That didn't win. Here was a second one. Look at the colors in this picture. You you want your circumstances to be peaceful. I like this third one. This third one's awesome too. Look at this. I mean, wouldn't that be cool to stay there for about, you know, a year and just chill out and relax? That, That just represents peace. But guess what? None of those won. The one that actually won was one that you would never, ever have expected. The one that won is the one that Britta is now painting. And so, Britta, if you would, bring that painting over to to us, and let's talk about this for just a second. Because what is so amazing about this picture is there's a storm, and there's wind blowing heavy and deep right there. And the wind's blowing, and and it's not at all peaceful. And yet Simon Peter was standing there in John chapter 14 when all the boys were there. And Simon Peter heard Jesus say this in John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world does, but I'm going to give you peace that is beyond human comprehension. And so here's this incredible story. So here's a bird. Here's a sparrow in the middle of a storm. 
Wind is going, wave is going, look at the trees are about to break, but there's a bird that is in perfect peace. This is the picture that won the art contest in 1997. I don't know your wind, and I don't know your waves, and I don't know the hail, and I don't know the storms in your life, but I know the power of God that's available to you. I don't know all your circumstances. I just know every one of us in this room, we have a lot of reasons to build a case why we should be anxious. But there is divine power that even the animals, even the birds of the sky know that the Almighty is in control. And that's our hope for you today. And that's our hope for you tonight as you watch the women's event. And even the children's kids' resources this morning is on John chapter 14, verse 27. If we can teach all of our kids that it's not about the storms of life, but it's about being in the Savior's protection, that is a game changer. And so we're going to worship right now with that incredible song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. Would you thank Britta for her great skills? Oh, <sighs> 
All of your children today are learning John 14, 27. All of your middle schoolers today are learning John 14, 27. All of you online today, this is what we want to leave with you. Peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace, Jesus says, I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. You have a Jesus who's given you his peace. And he leaves it with all of us. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come to you. Jehovah Shalom. You are our peace. And Lord, all of us come before your throne right now because we need to repent. And we ask you, give us your grace to change our minds about peace. You are with us even in the storms of life. We praise you, Heavenly Father. Now I ask that you pour out your grace and empower every one of these people in here today to stop and listen and to write it down and put it beside your word, Father. And Lord, empower us to take actions and know that you have given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are a God of peace. Now come fill us up. May every person today leave with a greater measure of peace. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.